Our first reading this evening is from the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 5, 1 to 7, and that's on page 486 of the Bibles in front of you. Isaiah 5, 1 to 7. I will sing for the one I love, a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it, cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Now you dwellers in Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did, ye- why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are the garden of his delight. And he looked for justice but saw bloodshed, for righteousness but heard cries of distress. The New Testament reading is from John chapter 15, starting at verse 1, page 764. This is a passage in the middle of that wonderful period in John's Gospel when Jesus is giving serious and deep teaching to the disciples. At the end of chapter 14, he's just revealed to them that he's going away and they're going to be without him for a while. And while they're trying to get their heads around that, Jesus now moves into this passage of great assurance and teaching. Verse 1. I'm the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean, Because of the word I've spoken to you, remain in me, and I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself, it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, So have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, 
that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear much fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love one another. Good evening, everyone. Let's begin by asking God to help us understand better Jesus' words and apply them to our lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, our Lord Jesus said, Remain in me and I will remain in you. Thank you that you have preserved his words throughout the ages. Teach us tonight just how it is that we remain in Jesus when he is at your right hand in heaven and we are here on earth. God, show us what the fruits of our lives will be if we remain in him. Amen. Well, I recently read these words uh, with an older Christian. And, uh, and after, after reading them, he said to me, I don't really like these verses. And I thought, oh. He went on and said, when I think about my life, I don't think I've been particularly fruitful. I can think of one, maybe two people that I've led to Christ. I thought, goodness me, if that's, that's the measure of fruitfulness, then, uh, then we're all, we'd all be very worried, wouldn't we? can't think of many people whom I've led to Christ, have I? been fruitful in my life? Don't you want to be able to get to the end of your days and look back and say, yes, I lived a fruitful life for God. Yes, my life counted for my God. We'll read Jesus' words with me in verse 5 of chapter 15. Jesus said to us, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, He will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That verse, it contains a very important promise for us, a great promise. I wonder if you noticed it. Remain in Jesus and you will be fruitful. I love that that promise, it's not conditional upon the ministry skills that you've got. It's not based upon how much time or energy you have, that promise is entirely conditional upon your connection to Jesus, upon remaining in him. And that's, that's the big promise that we want to take hold of tonight. Here it is. Remain in Jesus and you will be fruitful in love. The way we're going to try and get our heads around this passage is by trying to answer three questions about it. First, we're going to ask, why must we remain in Jesus? Then we're going to ask, 
What does it look like to remain in Jesus or how do we remain in him? And then thirdly, what are the fruits that show that we're remaining in him? So question one, why must we remain in Jesus? Well, as Peter gave us a little insight uh, into where we're up to in John's gospel, it is the last night of Jesus' earthly ministry. Uh, He's told his disciples that he's going away, but they just don't get it. And so they're asking him all sorts of questions. They're saying, uh, where are you going and why can't we come with you? Uh, They're asking, you say that you're going to reveal yourself to us, but why don't you want to reveal yourself to the whole world? Uh, Basically, these disciples are asking him a very valid question. They're saying, how can this go on? How can Christianity go on if we no longer have the Christ? You see, for the last three years, uh, these disciples, these 12 men have witnessed Jesus bearing all the fruits of the kingdom of God. Listen to these wonderful words from Matthew. The blind had received their sight, the lame had walked, those with leprosy were cured, the deaf had heard, the dead were raised, and good news had been preached to the poor. And now he's leaving? But before he does, Jesus has two very comforting words for his disciples. Read them with me in verse 1. He says, verse 1, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Jesus didn't say, I am the vine. He said, I am the true vine. And the reason he says, I'm the true vine, is because many times in the Old Testament, Israel has been referred to as the vine of God or the vineyard of God, like Grant read to us before. But every time that they're referred to as a vineyard, they're always seen to be lacking lacking in the fruit for which God planted them. But not the true vine. No, after three years of public ministry, Jesus has shown that he's bearing all the fruits of the kingdom of God, all the fruits for which God made him that vine. And now, Jesus says to his disciples, including you and I, a very exciting thing. Let's read it together, verse 5. He says, I am that vine, and you other branches. What an honor. What an honor to be a branch of this life-giving vine. There are three important things that Jesus wants to teach his disciples about being branches. The first one is that branches can't bear fruit on their own. That's why he says in verse 4, Jesus says, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You see, branches, they don't, they don't have any life inherent in them. Uh, their life comes from remaining connected to their life source. That is, we must remain connected to Jesus. That's why he goes on to say, verse 5, I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. Nothing. Is Jesus really saying that only someone connected to the vine is actually bearing 
life-giving fruit. I could have a good family. That's, that's fruitful. Maybe you've got a business and you employ people providing their livelihood. That's fruitful. Or what about the, all those people who aren't Christian but they're fruitfully engaged in humanitarian aid? Is Jesus really saying that they're not living fruitful lives? The thing is, is that everyone is producing fruit. It's just that most of us aren't producing the fruit that God desires. And ultimately, fruit that isn't of God is fruit that isn't going to last. And so if you want to produce lasting, life-giving fruit, then you've got to do it in Jesus. Jesus has also got a, a comfort for us as branches. He says it in verse 5. He says, Connected branches will bear fruit. Verse 5, If a man remains in me, halfway through, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Isn't that good news? But there's a challenge he's got for his disciples as well. He says that fruitless branches reveal that they're not connected. Let's read in verse 2 where Jesus says, My father the gardener cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And we have seen it, haven't we? That people who haven't connected in with Jesus, well, they don't last. Perhaps you've known people who've come along to church for new friendships or perhaps to meet a uh, potential life partner. Maybe they've come to take advantage of the, um, the child mining services on a Sunday morning. But if they're not connected with Jesus, they won't last. On the contrary, those who are connected with Jesus, the life-giving vine, well, they're still bearing fruit to this day. They, they may not be amongst us, but they're bearing fruit for God elsewhere. So we've got to ask the question, don't we? What type of branch are you? Are you bearing fruit for God? Are you connected? Or is your life fruitless? Why, why must we remain in the vine? Because it's only in the vine that we can bear real fruit, lasting fruit. We must remain in the vine because Jesus is the life source. We must remain in him. Well, that, that really does, that makes perfect sense, I think, except for one really obvious and evident problem, and that is that Jesus is about to go away. He's leaving them. So how are they, how are they supposed to remain in someone who's not there? That's our second question tonight. How do we remain in Jesus? How do we remain in Jesus? Let me tell you a little bit about uh, my rowing club. I'm, I'm part of a training squad that trains at UTS Rowing Club. And the way that I remain in this training squad is not by paying my membership fees and it's not by wearing the club colours. I can do both of them from sitting on my couch. Uh, the way that I remain in this training squad is by partaking in the training squad's activity. And that is we row together. So if I want to remain in the squad, I've got to row with the squad. And it's the same thing with Jesus. Jesus says, if you want to remain in me, then you've got to do what I do. You've got to partake in my activities. Let's have a look at what he tells us. He gives an example of what it looks like to remain in him. Uh, he illustrates 
through his and his father's relationship. Let's read it together in verse 9. Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. How did Jesus the Son remain in his heavenly Father when his Father was in heaven? He did it by obeying his Father's commands, by doing what his Father had been doing since the beginning of creation, by loving others. And Jesus invites us to do the same. If we are to remain in him, we're to do it by keeping his commands. And what is this command? Let's read it in verse 12. It's not a surprise. Verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. You see, love is the family business. If you want to be part of the family, if you want to be part of the work of God, then you've got to get on with loving others like Jesus has loved you. But let's just, let's just think about three important implications that Jesus has for remaining in him. He tells us three important things about what it's going to look like to remain in him. The first thing he tells us is that remaining in him is a joy. Remaining is a joy. Let's have a read what he says in verse 11. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. I hope you've had that mental shift in your mind. I hope that you've, you've worked out that God doesn't have, that, that you've gone from thinking, hmm, God has lots of rules for me to keep, to thinking, isn't God good that he advises me and guides me in how to live? I used to, as a young Christian, I used to really envy people uh, who didn't have any rules. Now I pity them because life, life is really hard. It's difficult. It's hard to know what to do. Isn't God good to us that he gives us commands to teach us how to live. And those commands are good commands. Sure, they have do's and they have don'ts, but the heart of every command that Jesus gives us is love. Isn't that good of God to guide us and instruct us and command us in how to live? It is a joy to obey Jesus and obey his commands. First thing that Jesus wants to tell us is that it's a joy to remain in him. The second is that remaining leads to pruning. Remaining leads to pruning. I don't know if you noticed in verse 2, but Jesus tells us that every branch in the vine will get attended to by God the gardener. Let's have a look what he says. My father, the gardener, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Then Jesus goes on to say to his disciples in the verse following, verse 3, you are already clean. Or actually, if we, if we look down the very bottom of your page, you've got a little text note down the very, very bottom. And it says there that the Greek for prunes also means cleans. That is, back in verse 3, if we're reading, Jesus said to his disciples, you are already pruned because of the word I have spoken to you. 
Jesus gave us his word to prune us, to cut away dead and useless growth, to cut away the things that won't lead to our fruitfulness. And we know that that's true, don't we? Like uh, Wednesday night just past uh, a connect group. We got quite a chatty connect group, um, but, but a bit of a silence came over us um, as Jesus started pruning us. We did an activity where we were identifying idols in our lives. And Jesus' word to us in Joshua 24 was telling us that we needed to get rid of those idols and get on with serving the living God. Jesus was pruning us with his word. I hope that his word continues to prune you for your fruitfulness. But we know, don't we, that often the most severe pruning comes in life circumstances. I remember uh, speaking to a young Christian guy, and uh, he grew up in a very unstable family. Uh, And the only seemingly stable relationship he had was his relationship with his girlfriend and her family. And really sadly, they broke up and he was gutted. He got completely pulled apart. You see, he was pruned back by circumstances. But fruitfulness came when the word of God brought him hope. Because I remember him saying to me that they keep telling me at church, he said, they keep telling me at church that sometimes God lets your heart be broken so that he can piece it back together again the way he wants it. Jesus' words brought about new fruitfulness in him after he'd been pruned back by life circumstances. Friends, pruning is hard. But pruning is for your good. The writer to the Hebrews in chapter 12, verse 11 says this. He says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest. It produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Pruning is hard, but pruning is good for you. Pruning will lead to your fruitfulness. The third thing about remaining in Jesus is that remaining leads to praying. Let's read what Jesus has to say about it in verse 7. Verse 7, Jesus says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. That's a huge promise, isn't it? Ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. Our experience doesn't match up with that, does it? I mean, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. We're not, we're not asking for trivial things, are we? We're often asking for really deep things. We're asking for people we love not to die. We're asking for friends we know who've turned away from Christ to turn back to him. We're asking those things, but it seems like our wishes are not getting granted. Well, the, um, the context does give us some conditions to what Jesus is talking about. Let's, let's read that verse again. Jesus says, If you remain in me, if you're remaining in him, and his words are remaining in you and guiding and directing your heart, then ask, 
Ask whatever you wish. Jesus, I think he's saying, ask that you might be fruitful in whatever life circumstance you're in, that you might bear much fruit to his Father's glory, and he will grant you that wish. I think Jesus is saying, if you pray that you could be fruitful in any life circumstance, he is pleased to answer that wish for you. So how do, how do we remain in Jesus? We remain in him by doing what he commanded, by doing what he's on about, taking part in his purpose, and that is loving others as he has loved us. Let's finish tonight by clarifying, though, exactly our third question. What are the fruits? What are the fruits of remaining in Jesus? Is it leading people to Christ? Is it raising a family to know and love the Lord? Is it pioneering a flourishing ministry or leading a really committed connect group? I guess that all of those things, they could be upshoots of the fruit. But the fruit of the true vine, the fruit of the true vine that Jesus says we will bear is love. Love. Love is such a big idea. But helpfully, Jesus gives us two helpful guidelines for what the fruit of love is going to look like in our lives. Firstly, he tells us, that the fruit of love is sacrificial. The fruit of love is sacrificial. Let's have a look in verse 12. He says, My command is this, Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Jesus says that if you remain in him and you obey his commands, you will be fruitful in sacrificial love. Love that lays aside your own interests for the good of another. And Jesus said again and again, love isn't a feeling, love is action. And Jesus, the very next day, would show his disciples the full extent of his love by dying on a cross, laying down his life to death for the eternal benefit, for the eternal well-being of his friends. The thing that that I love about Jesus' example of love is that, yes, he did lay down his life in one extraordinary act. But the thing is, is that Jesus was laying down his life every single day. Every day he lay aside his own life for the benefit and interests of his friends. I always think of that time when Jesus withdrew from the crowds because he wanted to get away and get some time with his disciples. So he and his disciples, they jumped in a boat and they headed across to the other side of the lake. And when they got to their, uh, their relaxing destination, what did they find? 5,000 people waiting there for them. I would have been like, man, seriously, and turned my boat around and gone back the other way. What did Jesus do? Jesus attended to their sick. He taught them till sundown. Then he fed their hungry stomachs and sent them home. I wonder how you can be sacrificially using your you time for the benefit of others. I, uh, I remember the first time that church 
began taking over my entire Sunday. I was driving back to church after only having been there a few hours before, and I was going to help run a kids' club for the children of parents who were partaking in a Christianity Explained course. And I totally didn't want to go. I, I really didn't want to be there. But I had to keep saying to myself, you are going to play Jenga with these children. You're going to go play Jenga with these children, and this might just be an eternally significant game of Jenga because their parents are going to be listening to the life-giving, life-transforming words of Jesus. This is worth it. It's worth doing. Loving others might be sacrificial, but it is always worth it. I think of another friend who I know, um, who is, who is making an effort to, whenever they, uh, they host something at their home, to invite uh, someone from church whom they don't know very well. They're making the effort, they're laying aside their interests to include others whom they wouldn't normally include in their social gatherings. I wonder how the fruit of love will bear in your life as you look for the interests of others. Jesus also tells us, secondly, that the fruit of love is fruit that will last. Let's read verse 16 together. Jesus said, You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. That word that's translated last there is the same word that's translated remain throughout the rest of the passage. So Jesus is saying that the fruit of love that, uh, the fruit that, that you are to bear is the fruit that will help people remain in him. Here's some ideas of how you might be able to help people remain in Jesus, to bear the fruit of love that helps people remain in him. Maybe you could disciple someone. It sounds like a big idea, but let me tell you what happened five years ago. Paul Dale invited me to go for a run with him once a month. So I'd come along on a Monday afternoon and uh, he'd sneak in a cheeky bit of Bible before we went running and then we'd go for a run, we'd chat about life and when we got back, we'd spend five minutes praying for one another. And before I knew it, he'd discipled me for four years through a difficult and busy time in my life. I wonder if you could be discipling another Christian. It's not that complicated. I wonder if you could give up a lunchtime once a fortnight, or go for a walk once a month on a Saturday morning with another Christian with the express interest of helping them remain in Jesus. What about, what about a Sunday morning? Every Sunday morning, a number of saints sitting here in this building, they get out of bed when they don't have to, and they come along and they look after my little boy Tommy and the others in Christ, they sing heads, shoulders, knees and toes again and again, and they could have been in bed, but they're doing it to help young children remain in Christ. And let me tell you why that is such a valuable thing to do. Because in a recent church life survey, they found that 80% of the people who filled in that survey became a Christian before the age of 18. If you want to bear fruit that remains Please throw yourself at children's and youth ministry. I know that Beck Williams is looking for more helpers for uh, creation 
and Kids Church and Soul, our youth group, on a Friday night, perhaps you could sacrificially get involved in one of those. But uh, I know also many of us, we don't have the availability to throw ourselves into these things week in, week out. So how are you using your day by day to love your family and your friends towards Jesus and helping them remain in him? Have you thought to invite anyone along to church recently? I think it's fair enough to say that you can't truly say that you love someone if you're not interested in them coming to meet Jesus. Could you love your Christian brothers and sisters and help them as they remain in Christ by perhaps coming or even staying 20 minutes after our service each week for the next two months because we're going to have to pack up the hall uh, after church each week? Could you help your brothers and sisters remain in that way? Could you randomly write a text message with a Bible verse to encourage them to remain? Could you go over to a friend's place, take a meal with you and offer them hospitality at their place? What are the fruits of remaining in Jesus? It's sacrificial love, and it's love that helps others to remain in him. So, back to my friend uh, with his life that he thought maybe hasn't been all that fruitful. Leading one, maybe two people to Christ. That is amazing. But, but it's not in entirety the fruit that Jesus says that we will bear. What is the fruit that he is looking for? The fruit of the vine, the fruit of remaining in Jesus is love. And the great news is that anyone who wants to remain in him can bear just that fruit. Let's finish with Jesus' great promise to us in verse 16. Brothers and sisters, we didn't choose Jesus. Jesus chose us. And he appointed us to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Let's pray that we would bear the fruit of love as we remain in Jesus this week. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you are the vine and we are the branches. Apart from you, we can do nothing. Help us, Lord, to remain in you by obeying your commands to love others like you've loved us. Help us to love sacrificially and help us to love in a way that helps others remain in you. Lord, keep your promise. Keep your promise to us and grant us that in every season of life we would bear fruit for you the fruit that will last. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.